Du lyssnar på en podcast från Studentradio 98,9. Alla våra poddar och program hittar du på studentradion.com eller där poddar finns. Utrikespolitik. Det är inga pajaskonster. Det är inte Hello and welcome to Radio UF at Studentradion 98,9. Today we will talk about uh, the Nobel Peace Prize and... Uh, Today uh, I have two people with me. Me my myself first. I am uh, David and I am a student of political science and uh, linguistics. Uh, my name is Sara and I am studying peace and conflict studies here at Uppsala University. And today we have a guest with us also. Hey everyone, my name is Anastasia Khardigova. I'm from Ukraine. And I'm soon to be graduate uh, student of Uppsala University of Masters Digital Media and Society. Yeah, thank you. And we are very grateful to have you here today, uh, Anastasia. But we will start with uh, a song and uh, after that we will go more into the nitty gritty of uh, this year's Peace Prize. Yeah, we will be right back. So that was Hundra by Sikkan. You're listening to uh, Studentradion 98,9 Radio UF. And today's theme is the Nobel Peace Prize, which uh, was revealed by the Norwegian Nobel Committee a few weeks ago. And um, yeah, as you know, the Nobel Peace Prize is a bit different because all the other prizes are awarded by organizations in Sweden. But because Sweden and Norway were in a union 100 years ago when Alfred Nobel started the, uh, this prize uh, as a sign of gratitude to our brother people, Norway will um, give the, the Peace Prize which is a bit convenient also for Sweden because it's usually the most controversial uh, prize of all the Nobel Prizes. Uh, and uh, the process works like this. There are nine categories of people that can nominate uh, prize winners, for example, heads of state, previous winners, and uh, before the the thir- 31st of January or the, the 1st of February um, people can nominate new uh, the the prize candidates and usually they get 200 nominations and then they shortlist 20 or 30 mm. uh, potential winners and then they announce announce the winner in the Friday of the Nobel week when they reveal who won but i believe this year they made an exception to the deadline rule because uh, the war in ukraine started after the the deadline yeah and uh, to uh, guide us forward i have actually prepared a little quiz for you two david and anastasia uh, and it's uh, yeah nothing serious and i'm not sure if it's difficult or not um but uh, i'm going to ask a question and then you can just uh, say your name if you want to answer it and uh, there are in total five questions so whoever gets the most points 
wins. Okay, so the first question is, who was the first woman to receive the Nobel Peace Prize? Dum, dum, dum. Can we ask for help of Google? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was uh, actually one of the people who encouraged uh, Alfred Nobel Could to... Uh, uh, Berta von Sittner. <gasps> Nej. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second question is um, when Alfred Nobel's brother Ludwig died a French newspaper wrongly published an obituary for uh, Alfred and in this paper uh, he received a nickname that would stick with him later and uh, this uh, particular nickname not a positive one was uh, many believe that this was why he uh, chose to or try to change after how people w- would remember him. What was the nickname? David. Mm? I think it was Dr. Death or Dr. Dynamite or something like that. Very close, actually. You get a... <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens uh, when you answer correct. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, yeah, almost right. But it was a uh, mer- merchant of death. Ooh. Yeah, so that's mm. why it's said that he wanted to uh, to to change how people remembered him. Uh, we will uh, continue with the quiz and my poorly handling of the technical stuff after the break. You just heard uh, "This Is Why" by Paramore. And uh, you're listening to Radio UF and we are having a quiz about uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. Will you continue, Sara? Yes, I will continue with question number three. So, in 1973, this US Secretary of State was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. But this nomination was so controversial that two members of the prize committee resigned. Who was the winner? Think about what happened in 1973. Mm, is it related to the Vietnam War? Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. It's uh, <laughs> uh, Henry Kissinger. Ah, I was going to say Kissinger. Mm. But yeah, he was uh, won the prize because he was negotiating the ceasefire in Vietnam. But um, it was very controversial, among other things, because he had ordered bombings of Hanoi while um, he was conducting these peace negotiations. And he um, he he was supposed to share the prize uh, with uh, his North Vien- Vietnamese chief uh, negotiator, uh, Le Duc Tho, um, but he refused to accept it. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. All right, question number four. What medal is the prize made out of? Swedish kroner, <laughs> Anastasia. <laughs> ah, like, you mean what material? Yeah. Or? Ah, metal. I heard ah. metal. <laughs> ah, okay. What metal is the metal <laughs> made of? David. Gold. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gold. You were first. Anastasia. Okay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> My dog's in here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, if you're wondering why there's a dog sound, it's just that I couldn't find the right jingle for it. So... I'll just take what I can get. Okay, final question. Nominations for the Peace Prize can only be made for people who are alive. And in 1948, the committee considered a certain very famous peace activist advocating for nonviolence in 
a particular independence campaign. Uh, but this person died only two days before the prize was due and was thus disqualified. Who was the nominee? David. Yeah. Uh, was it Mahatma Gandhi? I also was thinking about it. <laughs> no, he got the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Well done. Yeah, yeah, good great day. job, contestants. Yay. Huh. We're going to celebrate who, that it's over now. <laughs> who, whom did they give it to instead? They actually cancelled the prize that year because oh. they said there's no one uh, who deserves it. Yeah, hmm. very interesting. But he had also been nominated uh, many times before um, and uh, they were, you know, not... They had. I don't know if they had decided to give it to him that year, but they were, uh, yeah, they were considering it at least. But yeah, and then they considered giving it to him posthumous, posthumously. <laughs> uh, but then that was, you know, against their rules, so they mm. didn't. So if you want to get a prize, try not to die too early. Mm. <laughs> well, it's hard if you're in Ukraine. Mm. <laughs> All right, uh, we will uh, be back after the break. Sometimes it seems we're all going crazy in the thick of it all. You just heard Thick of the Honey by Phaser Days. And you're listening to Radio UF at Studentradio 98,9. And uh, today we are talking about the Nobel Peace Prize. As you might know, this year's prize was awarded to uh, one individual and two organizations. Uh, the person was Elias Bialyatsky, a Belarusian uh, human rights activist and a memorial, a human rights organization in Russia and to the Center for Civil Liberties in Ukraine, Center Hromadjanskich Svabod. What do you think about my pronunciation, <laughs> Anastasia? Honestly, it's super cute. I just love it. <laughs> Thank you. But, uh, yeah, what did you think when you heard that this organization won uh, the Nobel Peace Prize? Honestly, I think it's so great that, first of all, Ukrainian organization got spotlighted uh, by Nobel Prize. But the second of all, how important is it is to talk about war crimes when there is a war in the country, because the crime got kind of normalized by bringing the war and full invasion. When we talk about bombing, everyone starts normalizing that people live in bombing. When we talk about battles, we also normalize killing and shooting. But it's never normal to rape women and men and children. It's never normal to beat a pregnant woman. It's never normal to torture anyone. And I feel that this organization, which been working since 2007, and they've been also documenting uh, war crimes in 2014, when we already had war in Ukraine, is doing a very, very important and great job. And what are they trying to bring is that Russia been doing it at least for 20 years in Moldova, in Chechnya, in Syria. And this is something which soldiers bring to the country not only with bombs and bullets, but also with their behavior with citizens in the country. And uh, would you say that this organization is well known in Ukraine? I would say that when 2014 and the war started, we started getting to know about it. 
then uh, when the war was going low and the war was, we call it frozen, mm. even though sometimes there were some battles, it wasn't that broadened up. But now they are doing a lot of work and bringing up a lot of crimes. So I would say they are known, not not super popular as, for example, volunteer organizations which are collecting money for donations and helping. However, when uh, we donate money, we might also donate to this organization, I, I guess. Mm. So would you say that this uh, Nobel Peace Prize is, is meaningful? Exactly. I was going to say important. Yes, it it is. Because I just want, first of all, Ukrainians, but also people abroad to know that it's never normal mm. to treat a citizen, normal person like Russian soldiers do. It's never normal. Never. Even if there is a war in there, even there is a hunger in the country, whatever is happening, whichever disaster, we are never, never allowed to cross this border of human being if you know what I mean mm. yeah very important point um, I read an article in the Guardian recently uh, about uh, this organization and uh, according to it uh, they had uh, documented more than 21,000 war crimes since uh, 2014 so it's yeah now it's 23,000 mm. yes yeah. they're working oh. hard but Russian soldiers are also working on torturing humans. So, yeah, that's a reality which shouldn't be there. Mm. And I hope that thanks to this organization, everyone will be punished for such crimes. Mm. We will continue talking about this after the break. Yes, you heard Jag vill inte vara by Hemliga klubben. You're listening to Radio UF at Student Radio 98,9 and we are talking about the Nobel Peace Prize and we just heard Anastasia who is from Ukraine explaining about uh, the, the Center for uh, Civil Liberties and its role in uh, Ukrainian society. And Anastasia, I... As far as I have understood, many Ukrainian people were not happy with uh, the fact that the prize was not only given to these Ukrainian organizations, but also to to people in Belarus and uh, Russia. What's your take on this? So my main thought is that uh, when we talk about cancel culture of Russia, uh, which is sanctions right now, and we are trying to make Russia not that influential in our life and in the world we talk about cancel culture and uh, there is one more example of cancel culture which is harry weinstein who was a film producer so for example it would be the same if oscar would be given to harry weinstein and his victims which uh, which was sexual harassment so in this case i talk about we should this organization should be given a nobel prize and it is definitely important to show how many people suffered during Stalin's regime mm. and the Ukrainians suffer at that point as well. For example, oh, Holodomor, how you say it in English? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, the starvation. Exactly, in, starvation. Uh, 1932 yes, and 1933. Yes. So, and uh, I see you Ukrainian is very good. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, and what I'm trying to bring right now is that when we are giving a spotlight to Russia, we are taking the spotlight from Ukraine. We are trying to say that they're good Russians in there, which is true. They are good people. It's not like everyone is evil. But when we are trying to say that they're good people in, out there as well, which is one out of ten, we as human, we want to lower sanction. We want to say, oh, it's not easy for them either. Oh, it's not easy for them now out there because of the sanctions. And what I'm saying that let's please do this cancel culture for one or two years or how long will it take for Ukraine to win in this war where everyone is suffering. And let's p please bring all our efforts and energy in helping instead of helping the other side, even though this organization was showing how bad Russia was during USSR times. But it's still showing that there are good people working out there. So what's important is keeping cancel culture fully on the f whole country mm -hmm. and canceling as much as we can. And it's not about saying they don't deserve it. They do. But it's just in Ukraine we say not on the time. Mm. Timing is bad now for this. And it's also kind of weird. Imagine this Ukrainian organization coming to get Nobel Prize win and there is also Russian organization and they stand on the same stage. Mm. I understand, but uh, don't you also think it's important to shed light on like the civil society in Russia because it's critical to the regime? Or Well, uh, we can view it from different sides, mm. right? Uh, because regime in USSR was horrible, which is happening right now in Russia as well. And it is important to bring it up and show to society how USSR was bad. And uh, it was a superpower. Mm. And uh, everyone was thinking that USSR is great. And my family being uh, living in USSR, they, some of them were thinking that USSR is great. While this genocide was happening in starvation. And it is important to bring it up. But again, do they deserve the price now? Mm -hmm. The spotlight which we're talking about. We can bring it up. We can talk about it. But saying they deserve Nobel Prize. Peace how Russian organization can deserve peace, Nobel Prize. Mm. This is a bit confusing to me as a Ukrainian. Thank you for that insight. Uh, we're going to have to take a break now, but we'll be right back. You just heard Leva Livet by Cleo, Sabina Dumba and Amanda Bergman. And you're listening to Radio UF at Studentradion 98,9. And today we're talking about the Nobel Peace Prize. And uh, Anastasia was just telling us about her views on uh, this uh, uh, organization, the, the Center for Civil Liberties, that won the prize. And... Uh, And the fact that they also gave uh, a prize to Memorial from um, Russia and Alias Valetsky from Belarus. And could you um, update uh, what's going on uh, in the war now? So as we were talking about war crimes, there is one more war crime, which is Russia doing every Monday now. I guess that's their way to wish Ukrainians have a great week. Because they bomb uh, cities and they bomb them deliberately. They bomb infrastructure, which is shut down the electricity. And actually, electricity is connected to a water supply, which mm -hmm. is a water system in Ukraine. So they shut down electricity and water pipes. 
pumps. So people can't go to work, people can't do anything. Even basic having a shower is not is not available anymore. For instance, I started my day by reading the message from my father, who lives in Kharkiv, which been bombed since the beginning of the war. And the message was like that, oh, I heard the bombings today, and also they shut down electricity, so the subway also didn't work, so I couldn't get to my job, which is crazy. And mm-hmm. for me, even thinking that my dad keeps going to job is actually also very worrying, because sometimes... He's uh, in city centrum while I see on Instagram videos that city centrum was bombed. Mm. Mm. So that's that's what Russia does uh, to Ukraine now. Yeah, that's uh, terrible. I heard uh, also on Swedish radio that uh, some women in Ukraine are cutting their hair because they can't uh, spend uh, electricity and energy on uh, taking care of the hair now. Yeah, yeah, this this is one of the ways. But uh, one more thing what Ukrainians started doing is buying candles, power banks, Mm -hmm. and, uh, for example, uh, energy, I don't know, energy power box, uh, which which can supply you for Uh. some time. And I even have a friend who prepared a backpack for nuclear uh, case. Mm. Like he has a mask, he had put a basket for his cat. He literally was getting ready for that that part part of the war as well, which is crazy because he's my close friend and he lives in Kiev and um yeah. updating with him every day. That's really terrible. I'm very sorry to hear that. And I'm sure you must be very worried for your family also. Yes, it, it is it is hard. It is hard to read messages. For example, I have a, a group chat, which is called uh, Loved Ones, where is my grandma, my father... And they've been writing, like, me and my family in Belgium. I have uncle in there, uh, Farbrur, who is writing, uh, how is it today? Mm. And they reply, and they reply like this. They're bombing, but it's sunny right now. We are mm. cooking borscht. <laughs> and in my brain, I just, I can't even digest this information. How are they even coping? And, for example, my grandparents, they're very old. They're mm. both 80 plus and for example my grandma was born when the war was second world war and uh, she been grown on the stories about the war and we were friends uh, in brackets with Russia Mm. and now Russia is literally killing us and it's very hard for them to understand because they're so old yeah Uh, do you know, uh, like, from your relatives and friends that are still in Ukraine, are anyone thinking about uh, fleeing the country? I actually have my nephew and my sister who fled the country. They're in Poland now, and uh, my nephew is already working on the factory. So, But my sister just went back to Ukraine to visit family, but mm. she will live in 10 days again. Hmm, okay. Thank you so much for sharing. We'll be right back. Mm. 
You just heard Water by Bicep and Clara Lassan. And you're listening to Radio UF at Studentradio 98,9. And today we're talking about the Nobel Peace Prize and more specifically about the Center for uh, Civil Liberties which won the prize and which is a U- Ukrainian organization. Uh, and uh, Anastasia, I remember when uh, the the full-scale war started in February, you were on Swedish television and said that you changed the theme of your thesis because you are media and communication students and uh, because of the war you uh, changed it and uh, you wanted to study social media during the war. Or can you tell us more about what were your findings? Yeah, exactly. Uh, When the war just started, I couldn't think about anything else but the war. And uh, if my thesis before was about digital media addiction, I switched it to digital media activism among Ukrainians. And my main focus was on Instagram stories because people were the most active out there. And I collected the data from the users who were connected with uh, Kharkiv city, which city I am from. So... What I noticed before the data collection, actually during my observation, I found out that everyone became a digital media activism activist. Sorry, and I was very surprised with this uh, after understanding that it's our new normal. Because for me, I was also posting only about the war. I was reposting everything what people were posting on there. Like for example, any information about evacuation, any information about humanitarian help. Meanwhile, memes about Russia, meanwhile, memes about uh, Ukraine or the world or Zelensky, Mm -hmm. how he is strong or the news in Ukraine. So like our content became only digital media activism content. And uh, which is also interested is that I found one more, uh, let's say, type of activism. Like if before it was noticed as awareness, uh, online facilitation of ocli- offline action, for example, protests, uh, which was used during Maidan in Ukraine as well. And there is one more online action, for example, the petitions or uh, banning someone. Uh, we were cancelling Nestlé at the beginning when Nestlé was still working in Russia and mm. we were saying that you are supporting terrorism. And the new category which I found was um, is connectivity it's emotional connectivity when we post memes when we post some cute picture or uh, a cute drawing of a baby walking with a dad and having a backpack in the form of house we chose refugees so uh, or for example a picture of a person grown up dressed up as a bunny hugging a small baby on a subway station in Ukraine because children were living in subway station as well mm. And this uh, people who worked as we call animators during the birthdays celebrations, they were coming to subway station just to cheer up babies. And honestly, every time I look at this picture, I cry because it's it, this picture is made on my subway station where I used to live next to. And I know it and gives a lot of insights. So I analyzed all of this content and I found out that everyone is trying to support and help during the war. And I feel that whole world became supportive and helping to Ukraine. And it wasn't only Ukrainians. And I feel that you can't really say it, but the war brings good people out. Mm. Uh, The war brings good stuff out of us as well. But also, of course, bad ones. But good highlights a lot. But uh, the support that you talk about, do you 
feel like you still see it to the same extent or has it uh, decreased a little bit? So the support is still going on, uh, but the problem is that people are getting tired of the war, uh, not only inside in Ukraine, but outside. Like, for example, I know that on Swedish Nyheter, which you watch on SVT every day, at first it was 45 minutes of Ukrainian news and one uh, and uh, one chapter of 15 minutes when the cat got stuck on the tree. Mm. <laughs> That's what I joke about because Sweden is such a great country and peaceful. So... Uh, but now um, the amount of Ukrainian news are getting lower and lower. So support is getting lower as well, unfortunately. Mm. We'll be right back. You just heard uh, a song which was called um, uh, Show sh- Me Love by Bavia, <laughs> sorry, and you're listening to Radio UF at uh, Studentradio 98,9. Uh, and we are talking about the Nobel Peace Prize and about the Ukrainian winner of the prize. And uh, with us also today is our guest Anastasia. And uh, as a last question, could you say uh, what can people do to keep supporting Ukraine in this effort? Yeah, the I actually never say that people can only donate, for example, because I understand uh, we are talking on radio now and uh, UF is a student organization and all my friends are students, for example. So I can't really encourage them only to donate. But I always say you can make one repost, you can come to one protest or you can give one hug to one Ukrainian which you know or send them a message to check how they are out there. And um, I believe that support can be shown in different ways. And uh, it is important to every Ukrainian, honestly, to be acknowledged now. Like even if you meet one Ukrainian and you say, I'm so sorry what is happening. I hope Ukraine will win soon. Honestly, to me, it means a lot. When Mm -hmm. someone is reaching me out, I hope uh, your family is good. I hope your family will be fine. It is important. If if someone thinks that words doesn't mean anything, it, they mean they mean a lot. So keep supporting Ukraine, keep standing, even even doing one post is already great for us, and we are really thankful for everything Swedish people, especially, were doing for us. Mm, Thank yeah. you for for sharing that. Now we're gonna do our last song. You just heard a song called... Coquette uh, by Oi. Yes, and <laughs> you're ra- listening to Radio UF at Student Radio 98,9. And today we have been talking about the Nobel Peace Prize and uh, a lot also about uh, Ukraine and the Ukrainian organization that won the prize and also in general about uh, the war in Ukraine now. And um, do you have any last words I actually just want to say thank you for having me today. It's very important for me as Ukrainian that you bring it up again and bring Ukraine in the spotlight because Ukrainians, they think that everyone is getting tired, as I mentioned before. And even mentioning Ukraine once about Nobel Prize or having me today is already important. So it means a lot to me. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Jakujo Anastasia. <laughs>
Um, yeah, the Nobel ceremony will be on the 10th of December and we will see which uh, person will have the speech afterwards. Yeah, and uh, that's it for today. You can follow us on at Radio UF on Instagram and Facebook and then tune in next week when we will be back. Hej då! Hej då! Hej då! Du har på en podcast från Studentradion 98,9. Alla våra poddar och program hittar du på studentradion.com eller där poddar finns. Kom ihåg att lyssna fritt är stort. Att lyssna rätt är större.